If you're a woman, you probably have hormonal issues. It's impossible not to have them. There's over 1,000 hormone disruptors in our food, water, air, clothes, skin care, plus natural hormonal changes our bodies go through. Perimenopause, menopause. The good news is we don't have to suffer through any of it anymore. Hormone Harmony is a formula made only with herbal ingredients that are shown to reduce hormonal symptoms in women of all ages. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called aptogens. Aptogens help the body adapt to stressors like chaotic hormonal changes, perfect for women struggling with PMS, menopause, and more. Hormone Harmony is a phenomenon with over 17,000 reviews for Hormone Harmony. A bottle is sold every 24 seconds. And the biggest benefit? Feeling like yourself again. That's what women mention over and over in their reviews. For a limited time, you can get 15% off on your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use code OFFCAMERA at checkout. Are you tired of scrubbing your bathroom clean? I am. Transform your bathroom cleaning with wet and forget weekly shower cleaner. Just spray today and rinse tomorrow for a no scrub clean. With over 33,000 five-star reviews, it's your once a week solution to keeping your tub and shower surfaces sparkling clean. Available at Amazon, Lowe's, Menards, Home Depot, and Ace Hardware. Join thousands who have switched to an easier clean. Get Wet and Forget Weekly Shower Cleaner today and make your bathroom sparkle with zero scrubbing. Welcome everyone to Let's Talk Off Camera. Joining me today is performer extraordinaire, exercise influencer, fashion doyenne, uh, jewelry connoisseur, international man of intrigue, Broadway star, sex bomb, Isaac Boots, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Tina Darling. It's great to be here. It's so great to have you here. Now, I see that you're wearing one of your uh, your CBD torched patches. My torched energy patch, baby. Yes, and I've got to tell you, do you know, um, I gave them to Jake Shears, who is starring in Cabaret as the MC in London, because... He was, he's been so exhausted, you know, eight shows a week performing as the MC in easy. London. It ain't easy. And he was so run down. And I said, do I have something for you? And he immediately was like, where did you get them? And I said, they're from Isaac Boots. Those are his torch CBD energy patches. I'm so happy. Uh, so just so you know, and you, as you know, I order your gummies. I order I love your you. I know. CBD I see your patches. name on the order. Yes, I I'm very, yes. It says Miss Joan Crawford. Miss Joan Crawford. <laughs> love Tina to mommy from Tina Darling. <laughs> and also with the holidays coming up, Thanksgiving is here, everyone. Yeah. We are here celebrating our Thanksgiving episode. And I love Thanksgiving. Giving as do you, we love but it. we can all agree it drains the energy out of us because our family members are energy vampires. I haven't they talked are, to mine in years. <laughs> they are there to suck the life force out of you. They slurp down the turkey and the last of your self-esteem. Exactly. Yes. Um, so do you have a favorite Thanksgiving food or a least favorite Thanksgiving food? You know, I have to say, I mean... Who doesn't love a candied yam? I have a thing. I mean, I you're a Hawaiian. I, I'm a Hawaiian. I'm you know I, in my heart. I'm like I'm like a 500 pound 
you know, mm-hmm. smiling Hawaiian yeah. gra- grandma. Yeah, like that you is just want to have a candied yam. Just candied yams with too too many marshmallows, too, too much many, right. sugar on it. Mm-hmm. Um, my least, I don't love turkey. Is that is that no? A thing? I don't listen. I have lo- anybody that listens to this podcast or listens to my talk show knows that I don't love Thanksgiving food in general. In general, I find it all very. Um, unsettling. I make my own cranberry sauce, which is the only cranberry sauce I eat. Well, that's the way to do it. Yes. It's very good. I don't add sugar. It's tart. It's zingy. I add a lot of like lemon and orange rind and peel and juice. That's that's, that's the fancy stuff. It's nice. It's nice. I did not know that cranberries did not come shaped like a can (laughs) can. for the first 25 (laughs) years of my life. Imagine it doesn't taste like Haribo. The first time I saw cranberry sauce, I was like, what is this? But so uh, what I typically do is, and everybody makes fun of me and my family, but I don't care because frankly, without me, there would be no Thanksgiving food for anyone. They forget that like where it comes from. And by where it comes from, I mean, I order it from a caterer. But but, um, I usually take mashed potatoes and I make a little nest and then I get buttered peas and put the buttered peas inside the mashed potatoes. And- then I have my cranberry sauce. It's basically carbs and sugar, but that is my meal for Thanksgiving. I don't love turkey. I don't love ham. Not wild about candied yams, if I'm being perfectly honest. Because you're not a fat girl like me, baby. No, no, no. I am. I just like, I love, like, I love, I love like sweet potatoes, but I don't. Like I don't like to cross my sweet and my salty. It's a, it's it's a specific thing. It's you know, specific. it's like Barbra yeah. Streisand. You either love it or you hate it. Yeah, I mean, do you know? people hate Barbra Streisand? Oh, absolutely. Most no. most people who aren't of the homosexual slant. That's uh, so I've heard. Is that true? So I mean, I am not homosexual, I but I would maybe Barbara could turn me. <laughs> she she, could, she she turned me. She, that's yes. Sure. <laughs> I thought Madonna turned you. Madonna did something else. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> you know, it's so funny. I have my uh, my favorite t-shirt that I got uh, I had it for a, a brief a brief spell. I think Albert Kyle bought, brought it for me. It said, "Madonna made me gay." I had the tank top actually. Yeah, it's a tank top. Yeah, and I uh, and I took it to the gym, and I put it in my locker, and I you know I did my workout class. I came back and it was gone from oh, my locker. Uh, it wasn't me, I promise. Is that crazy though? <laughs> I was like, of course, and I walk. I was like, I know some young boy has oh that my shirt. God. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. What uh, time do you think that Thanksgiving dinner should begin? I like, I like a 6 p.m. Thank you. I do. <laughs> I Thank know, you. I don't know. Because I it's Thanksgiving dinner. Right. I just do. I do, it, Like, I want the sunset. I want the situation. I want to have a nice glass of wine. Cocktail hour. Right? A little sidecar. A cheese plate. I make a great sidecar. Do you really? I make a good Thanksgiving sidecar. Mm-hmm. Equal parts cognac, Cointreau, fresh lemon juice. <laughs> <laughs> and with sugar on the rim. On the rim. That's correct. Yes. And they don't do it right in no. New York. Do you do, a, do you do a large cube or no, I, no cube? No, I like the sound of it. So I like lots of ice. Lots of I like the yes. I like, okay. you know, getting mad at someone and hearing yes. it. You know? <laughs> yes. Very Sharon Stone. Do exactly. you take an ice pick and uh, you... <laughs> Very absolutely. good. Yes, excellent. We need the glamour. Uh, what are you thankful for this year? God. Th- I mean, 
I'm thankful for I'm thankful for my husband. Mm, me too. I'm thankful for your husband. I'm really thankful for him. He is he's a real gem. Jeffrida. Jeffrida. The great and Jeff he loves Frida. loves you so much and um and you know the it, it's not easy traveling around so so much as you you know or mm-hmm. or just having to work in, in a different country and a di- different con- continent constantly. It it's a privilege. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We're com- completely blessed. But yeah. It's hard. It, it's hard. Mark and, and I did it for seven. We had a seven-year run where Mark was living in a different country. Yeah. And and we saw each other very rarely. I will say it will keep you married forever. You never get tired of each other. Well, what's interesting is you are you and Mark are definitely um, a huge inspiration for us, obviously, as, as you Aww. married us. But mm-hmm. a template, a template for how to make it work, how to respect each other, yeah. how to communicate communicate communication is key and people don't do it enough they just sit and stew in their own resentment you know and i say having resentment is like what drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die ain't that and it never happens it never happens right it's true it's funny um i'll tell i'll tell you guys a little holiday prank that i pulled on isaac and jeffrida so when (laughs) when i married them i became an ordained minister so i could marry Isaac and Jeffrey, and it was a great privilege of my life, and I'm so happy, and and speaking of gratitude, I was so grateful that I got to do that. Um, But you have to send a letter um, to, I guess, the county clerk. So I sent a letter to the county clerk that is representative of how I know them and how I can attest to their characters as both men and as a couple and whatnot. So I sent, you know, I sent that to the county clerk. And then I sent Isaac and Jeffrey a fake letter that I sent to the county clerk. Absolutely. And oh it God. was disgusting and diabolical. It is the Maybe. most amazing thing you've ever I should set read, your eyes I on. I should read it. Because it it's legendary. It is, it is funniest. Le- legendary. Where is this? I, I can pull it up on my iPad. I thought it was real. <laughs> of course. She texted it to us saying this is what she, she wrote. And this is what she she sent, and it was in the midst of. Was your husband like, "Holy fuck, we're in trouble"? He was completely silent. <laughs> you know, he's a lot more reserved than I am, and um, and then he just like he was like dying on the on the, the floor. Absolutely, <laughs> I can't wait to hear this. I found it. You did. Yeah. Let's do a dramatic read. To whom it may concern, my name is Kelly Ripa. I was born at four forty three a.m. on October second, nineteen seventy. Don't you dare judge me. I weighed a sleek seven pound, four ounces, and from what I've been told, was very colicky. I have lived in New York City since 1989, moving my way from a 200 square foot studio in mid- Reminder, this is a letter (laughs) testifying about Isaac and Jeffrey's character. As a reminder- To the Supreme Court, to the Supreme Court. (laughs) I've lived in New York City since 1989, moving my way from a 200-square-foot studio in Midtown to a 300-square-foot studio on the Upper West Side, then downtown to a loft in Soho for coolness and street cred, parentheses, and not for a modeling career, as you probably assume. (laughs) Finally, and I do mean finally, I settled on the Tony and elegant Upper East Side, as one does once they've achieved vast amounts of money and power, not to mention a desired proximity to the best hospitals and nursing homes. As a now jaded New Yorker, I have a perpetual no-vacancy sign burning bright in my ice-cold heart. 
I know what you're thinking to whom, burning and ice cold in the same sentence. What is this wordsmith going on about? (laughs) Well, miracles happen every day to whom, and one occurred back in November of 2020 in the form of my dear friend Jeffrey Obrecht. What started as a simple weekend booty call courtesy of Grindr ended up resulting in one of the greatest love stories to ever emerge from the COVID pandemic, or any pandemic for that matter. No, not my booty call for heaven's sake. I'm a happily married woman and practically old enough to be Jeffrey's older sister. (laughs) I met Jeffrey through one of my closest friends, Broadway star and social media and fitness titan, Isaac Calpito. Isaac Isaac and I have known each other for close to 20 years. We met the way most young starlets do in New York City at the Illuminati initiation ceremony. <laughs> at well... At well... Otherwise known as the Kabbalah Center. You know where. It was love and envy at first sight, and we've been together ever since. So imagine my surprise and relief when he introduced me to Jeffrey. I took one look at his broad shoulders, trim waist, long legs perfect arches, and I just knew that Isaac had planned to replace me with this younger, hotter, gayer version of me. (laughs) The fucking nerve. Can you imagine? Not since Joan Crawford was asked to leave MGM has there been a crueler form of human suffering. Certainly not in our lifetime, but alas. I had to face reality, no matter how dark-sided. Isaac had found his forever person, the love of his life, Watching the profound effect Jeffrey has had on Isaac, both personally and professionally, has been inspiring. Maybe my heart isn't ice cold. (laughs) Jeffrey's transition into becoming a New Yorker, albeit the kindest one ever, has been nothing short of thrilling. However, the truest test of Jeffrey's familial intentions came in the form of my family, a trial by fire, if you will. I don't mind telling you to whom that nothing and nobody is as challenging as my family, as Isaac can attest. Frankly, we weren't sure if someone as lovely as Jeffrey would have the stones to survive, and by stones, I mean balls. <laughs> this is when I suspected it may not be a real life. I... <laughs> I hope this info has been helpful and illuminating. <laughs> Godspeed, Kelly Ripa. Oh my God. Come on. That's amazing. Legendary. So, Isaac, before we bring back my uh, very special Thanksgiving episode, which is uh, one of the favorite hours of a phone conversation I've ever had in my life, and I think we can all agree it was, it was so spellbinding, special. it was mesmerizing, I have to ask. Do you have any memories of Carol Burnett? Did you know her? Well, I grew up loving Carol Burnett as as we all, all mm-hmm. have. You know, uh, the her Mildred Pierce. Oh my gosh! Is you know, I, I I love Joan Crawford. I love old Hollywood, but her Mildred Pierce is so brilliant. And for anyone who hasn't seen it, it is it is amazing. Yeah, Google Cause it because she, she's so interesting. Because I always felt that she wasn't teasing or mocking anyone. She no. was really like embodying it and finding the the absurdity in it. Yeah, um, in, in a way that sort of. Um, Respected them. Um, and I had the privilege of meeting her when I was on Broadway. I was a dancer in Mamma Mia. And she was um, she was at a Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS mm. benefit. And she was so kind and took her time with, with everyone and every ensemble dancer and anyone who came up to her to ask for a photo or an autograph. And I thought, you know, that that's a real star. She has a real uh, c- compound compound i wonder if that's the right word she has a real um knowing of what she means to people and mm. she gives them her time she is never in a rush for anyone she has 
she get and I know that, she's in that, a rush. That to me is a testament to a real star. Yeah. And a real class act. Yep. A hundred percent. And it was beautiful to, to, to see. And she she should really um have a master class for other celebrities. Yes, I agree. Yes. <laughs> How to not be an asshole by Carol Burnett. Yes, exactly. That's a great book. We <laughs> like should convince her to write it. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, without further ado, let's bring on an encore performance of our Carol Burnett podcast. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Jan. Happy Thanksgiving. Gobble, gobble, gobble. Gobble, gobble. <laughs> okay, let's welcome the one and only Carol Burnett. Hi, sweetheart. How are you, Kelly? Carol, it's so great to talk to you. I feel so lucky that we're talking to you right now. It's right around your birthdays coming up, right? Yes, on the 26th. Is it a milestone birthday? Oh, it certainly is. It's a big <laughs> nine zero. Is that true? Of course. Would I lie about that? I don't know. I just think of you as eternally from the Carol Burnett show. Oh, well, that, that's lovely. <laughs> I, I was telling Jan and Albert, my two producers that are sitting here with me, before you signed on, that my daughter, Lola, uh, has only come to live where I work to meet two celebrities in her life. Over the 23 years I've hosted that show, she's come to meet Justin Bieber and she's come to meet you. The only two people. Oh my people. gosh. Oh, I didn't know that. I remember meeting. Oh, she is adorable. She is so lovely. Well, she has turned me on to this. You know, I don't really understand TikToks, but there's these numerous TikTok accounts that are fan pages devoted to you interacting oh with your audience during the Carol Burnett show. Oh, I love that. Well, that was actually, uh, you know, we called it Q&A questions and answers. And um, before we were going to start the show, the executive producer said to me, you know, uh, most shows, when they're taping in front of an audience, they have a comic come out before you're going to shoot just to warm up the audience and get them in the mood and all of that. And he said, Carol, I don't think we should have a comic come out and warm up the audience. I think you should do it. And I said, oh, my, are you kidding me? No way. I can't tell a joke. And I still can't to save my life. (laughs) He said, no, no, it's important for the audience to get to know you as you before we get into all those crazy costumes and the wigs and the blackout teeth and all of those characters. And so just do questions and answers. And I said, I'd be nervous if I didn't have a good answer. I'd be scared somebody wouldn't raise their hand and ask anything. And uh, he said, well, we'll put some plants in the audience, you know, and have people uh, ask you questions that you'll be, you'll know about. And I said, you know what? No, if I'm going to do it, I've got to do it honestly. And, you know, if I can't answer a question, then that, that shows that we're being honest. If I have egg on my face, so be it. So I remember the first time I went out to do it, and I I was really scared. Uh, It went okay, and then we aired it, and then we aired the next two or three weeks, and by then, the studio audiences that came in, maybe they had seen the show, so they were ready to ask questions and everything. And after a while, I just started to love doing it. You know, I never knew what was going to happen and what the question would be. It was all random. And some of the things we have are just absolutely priceless. 
it really is gold. There are so many people that come back from your past, guys that you went to high school with or little girls mm-hmm. that say, your ex-boyfriend is my neighbor. And just right. to <laughs> see it wash over you, the memory of uh, right. these people coming back is kind of amazing. And I was showing Albert and Jan this one clip that especially uh, made us laugh is a woman named Mrs. Miller who wants... Oh, yeah. Yes, you know Mrs. Miller, right, of course. And Mrs. Miller wants a seat closer to the front row. And it's the ease with which you interact with your audience. Well, there was another one where a a woman who was dressed, she looked a lot like B. Arthur when B. did Maud. Yes, of course. she stood up and she said, "Uh, I want to sing. I want to come sing. (laughs) I thought, okay. She comes up on stage. And she's fearless, totally fearless. I asked her what her name was, and I'll never forget. It was uh, McCann, her, Terry McCann. Yeah. And I said, what do you want to sing? And she, without missing a beat, she turned and looked at the orchestra and said, you made me love you in the key of G. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as so she started to sing and wail away, you know, you made me love you. And oh, <laughs> And then I decided I would join her because I knew the song. So now we're doing a duet. And we're belting. You know, it's really going where the band is, you know, they knew the song. And we get to where we're going to end the song. And in my mind, I had a different way that I would end it from the way she wanted to end it. So after all this belting and everything, it kind of like started to peter out. And there was this moment of silence. And she looked at me and she said, You screwed it up. (laughs) Well, I mean, again, that was gold. So we showed that, and uh, years ago, uh, maybe three or four years ago, I got a a word that she had passed away at age 100, and that they showed that clip at her service. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I mean... Yeah, it was such fun. But it's the enduring quality and the connection that you have. I I remember, you know, Regis taught me this, like connect with your audience. But I Mm -hmm. think that you taught us both that, to connect with the audience. You know, like we didn't have interactions where we got to interact with our audience that much live on the air because our show is very much about interacting with each other. But during the commercial breaks, we also didn't have an audience warmer. So we would be the audience warmers and we would interact with the audience. Right. Um, You know, people will come up to me on the street and pull up their phone and say, I was in your audience 20 years ago and look, you were pregnant. And I have to think that after all, all of your, what is it, seven decades that you've been in show business? Yep. Uh-huh. So it's got to be that times a hundred for you. You know, people just well, w- walking up and yeah. reminding oh, you yeah. of where you met them. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah. And I love it. How did the show get started? Because it can't have been easy in that day and age. I just, I don't imagine it was an easy road. Well, actually, Kelly, it was. I had a contract with CBS, an amazing contract that I signed uh, in 1960-something for 10 years. And then there was a a clause that said that within the last five years of that 10 years, if I 
wanted to do an hour-long variety show, all I had to do was just push the button, and CBS would have to put it on for 30 shows. Wow. And, like, yeah, I mean, I, I had quite an agent. But those contracts don't, that's like the first and only of its kind, I'm assuming. <laughs> I don't think there was one before, and there certainly hasn't been one since. And my reaction at first was, oh, I don't think I could ever host a variety show. But then comes the last five years of the contract, and it was the last week of the 10th year. Uh, my husband and I looked at each other, and we said, you know, Maybe we should push that button because we were settling down in Beverly Hills. We had made a down payment on a house. Yeah, of course. And we said, at least we'd get 30 shows, you know. Yeah. And I remember I made the call. It was uh, the last week of that year. And uh, I got a hold of one of the vice presidents at CBS. And he said, oh, Merry Christmas. How are you doing? And I said, I'm calling to push that button. And he said, what button? <laughs> and I said he didn't remember and I said you know where I get to do 30 uh, one hour variety show? he said oh well uh, let me get back to you so sure he got tons of lawyers out of Christmas parties that you know yeah. he called the next day and he said yes I, I see that Carol. but you know what comedy variety is a man's game uh-huh. and uh-huh. he said you know it's Sid Caesar it's Milton Berle it's Dean Martin now and, and Jackie Gleason. It's not for you gals. He said, well, we've got this great sitcom we could have you do called Here's Agnes. Can you picture it? <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> and I said, I don't want to be Agnes every week. I want to yeah. be different people. Yeah. I want to have music. I want to have guest stars. I want to have a rep company like Sid Caesar had on your show of shows. And on and on and on. And they had to put us on the air. Incredible. They had to. And you that know, was how it happened. If I hadn't had that contract, I would be talking to you today about this, you know? You have that rare, uh, the beauty and the comedy chops and the talent, but you also had a business acumen. You have a lot of chutzpah, you know? <laughs> that I did. and uh, But as, that was about it because uh, my husband at the time, uh, produced the show. He he actually produced the Gary Moore show when I was first on that a hundred years ago, and so he took over. It was like he was my Desi, yeah. Like Lucy had Desi, yeah. Joe was was that for me, and so that I could just uh, relax and come in and do my thing without having to deal with uh, the business part of it. That's, you know, that was his job. It's such a good match, too, when you have somebody that really understands the fundamentals of how that works. Exactly. You know, and we had great writers. We had great comedy writers. We had great special material. Music. I mean, music was a big part of our show. Yeah. And because my first love was musical comedy. So we had to have a lot of music. We had a 28-piece orchestra, which is unheard of today. Incredible. I wonder what that show, do you ever think like what that show would cost to produce today? I have no idea, but they wouldn't do it. They would not do it. I remember, uh, I forget who had a variety, tried a variety show a few years ago. And I think they might've had a seven piece band with synthesizers. You know, there's no excitement Mm -hmm. there at all. And uh, no, our show today 
would be astronomical. Carol, I recently petitioned to get two-ply toilet tissue at the studio (laughs) where I work, and it's not going well. That's all I can tell you. (laughs) That's how how bad it's gotten. (laughs) You know, you had such a great ensemble cast that you put together. Oh, we did. Did you have a favorite partner in crime? Did you have a favorite sketch? Oh, gosh. That's, that's hard, Kelly. Uh, I mean, even though it said it's the Carol Burnett show, I wanted it to be a rep company. Mm-hmm. In other words, I, I wanted Harvey to shine. I wanted Vicky to shine. I wanted yeah. Tim and Lyle to score. Because, yeah. I mean, I found myself supporting Harvey or Tim in a sketch, and then uh, Vicky and they would support me and back forth. So it was a true rep company. And I think that's what made our show as good as it was, was that we we had fun and we we shared the laughs, you know. And I loved, there were so many sketches. Of course, the iconic Gone with the Wind was brilliantly written by two of our writers. Uh, and it was 25 minutes long. Uh, that's just, unbelievable. Well, we did a lot of sketches, like when we did the movie takeoffs. Mildred Pierce, African Queen, yes, you know, uh, Double Indemnity. Those would run maybe 15, 20 minutes. Because I, I was raised by my grandmother, and when we could save up our pennies, we would go to the movies. So the movies really kind of spoke to me as a young kid. So I remembered coming home and acting out the movies with my best girlfriend, you know. And to be able then to do it with costumes and lighting and music and all was a thrill. And I remember, too, you know, growing up and going to the movies and watching Betty Grable and Rita Hayworth. Of course. Bing Crosby. And then, oh, my gosh, they were guests on my show. I was just going to ask you, because I know you you certainly did not grow up um, rich or middle class or anything like that. It was like Depression era, right? We were poor. Poor. <laughs> Let me yes. just poor. Put it I was. That way. I we was trying poor. to put it delicately. You were poor. <laughs> we and, were poor. Yeah. And so you know, I'm th- I'm picturing you, and I'm getting emotional, thinking about you, Carol Burnett, going to the movies, saving your pennies, being raised by your grandma, and you're in the movie theater, and then flash forward. You work your butt off, you pay your dues, you get this show made, you've got your orchestra, your ensemble cast, Bob Mackey's making your costumes, and suddenly movie stars are guests on your show. Is is there a moment, or was it every time that you flashed back, that you pinched yourself, that you that you thought of your grandma and thought, oh my gosh, can you imagine this is happening? Yes. Every time, you know, when, when they would show up for the first reading, it was I, I was kind of tongue-tied. I reverted to, <laughs> went back to being 8, 9, 10 years old, you know, looking at Betty Grable and looking at uh, Bing Crosby, my gosh, you know, be able to not only be in a sketch with him, but to sing, sing with Bing. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> you know, what a thrill, you know, and I... I used to say, if my grandmother was alive, it would have killed her. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
Melojo, my production company, is such a small business, so when we hire someone, it makes a huge impact. It can also be time-consuming on our small team that's already wearing so many hats. That's why we use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. Yes, free. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process easier even easier and quicker. Melojo is one of 2.5 million small businesses using LinkedIn. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit our leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash off camera. That's linkedin.com slash off camera to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. If you've been wanting to update your wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, Quince is for you. Build up a lineup of timeless pieces that keep you looking effortlessly chic year after year, like premium European linen dresses, washable silk tops, timeless 14-karat gold jewelry, and so much more. I just bought some great stuff from their vacation collection. They have an amazing cotton gauze dress and great swimwear and cover-ups, everything I need for the summer in one spot. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use a safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash off camera for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com. It can be frustrating to find a shampoo and conditioner combo that caters to your exact hair type. Sometimes it feels like a one size fits all model. Well, with Way, you can find a combo that is perfect for your hair type. Not sure what your hair type is? Take the hair quiz to find out. I love their detox shampoo. It's safe for all hair types, including keratins, Brazilian blowouts, and color treated hair. It leaves my hair feeling refreshed, and the scent, Melrose Place, is like a one way ticket to the land of palm trees and superstars. And I'm a fan of their leave in conditioner, which detangles, hydrates, and fights frizz. Whether you're strands are fine, medium, or thick. Way has shampoo and conditioner that's your type. From volume and shine to deeply hydrating, Way helps you find your way to good hair every single day. Wash your way to healthier hair with shampoos and conditioners made just for you. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and use code off camera for 15% off your entire purchase. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com code off camera. in reading sort of your backstory, there were two times that strangers gave you money or provided for your education. Yes. Can you tell me about that? Well, uh, after I was, I was at Hollywood High and I was going to graduate and I wanted, desperately, I wanted to go to UCLA a mm-hmm. college. And my grandmother said, well, we can't afford that. You should go to a Woodbury Secretarial School or something, mm-hmm. <laughs> she said, so you right. can become a secretary, you know. Right. 
And I said, I don't want to be a secretary. I want to go to UCLA. And I wanted to actually major in journalism. I was the um, editor of my high school paper. And my mother wrote a lot. And she said, you know, you should go into journalism and be a writer and so forth. And, And I figured I could go to UCLA. Well, guess, just just guess right now. Tell me, what do you think the tuition was in 1951? I, I can only I can only guess by today's standards, Carol. So I'll say I don't know. For out, you were in state, <laughs> out of state, it's like seventy five thousand dollars. So um, back then, okay, Jan just 2000? said two thousand dollars, forty three dollars. Wow. wow! No. Yeah, wow. yeah. It was at I don't know how they did it because USC was expensive. But UCLA right. was not. But we didn't have that kind of money. Right. Our rent was $30 a month. And I remember my grandmother used to say, oh, can you believe it's a dollar a day to live in this room? <laughs> 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 she, she lived in the pull-down Murphy bed, and I slept on the couch. Yeah. And But there was something in me. I knew I was going to get to go. I didn't know how, but I could see myself on campus. And so our room in the uh, apartment building where we live faced the lobby, and it faced the desk where the manager uh, was, and then it had a little pigeonhole mailboxes. And every morning I would look out, and I could see if we had a letter in our slot. And this one morning there was, and I had my robe on, and I went across the lobby, and I came back into the room, and it was an envelope that had my name typed and that was it. And I opened it up and out came a $50 bill. No. Now Wait, to this day, who was I it don't from? know. You don't, don't know? know? Nope. Never found out. Have no idea. Because anybody in our neighborhood didn't have that kind of money. Nobody in my family had that kind of money. I don't know where it was, but there it was. And you never found out? Never, never. There was no note. There was nothing to tell me who that might have been. And there are people that I knew in the neighborhood, if they had done it, they would have said, we're going to lend you the money. We're going to give you the money, kid. Uh But no, I have no idea. So I got to go to UCLA. So you went to UCLA. You got your tuition covered. Uh Uh-huh. And I wanted to major in journalism. But I looked through the catalog, and there was no journalism major. You, I could join the Daily Bruin newspaper and take a course, a class in journalism, but there was no major. So I was leafing through the catalog, and they had a thing called Theater Arts English, which would provide writing courses like playwriting. And I thought, well, that could be interesting. So I, I thought, well, okay, I'll major in Theater Arts English, not knowing at the time that if you were a theater arts major, whether it was film, design, theater arts English, as a freshman, you had to take an acting course. Uh-huh. And <laughs> an acting course, a sewing, a costume, scenery. So I had to do this acting course, and I picked something that was kind of light, you know, because some of the other kids were doing really heavy, dramatic stuff. And I picked something kind of light just to you know, make it easier for me. And they laughed. I thought, 
I like this feeling. So, I, boom, the bug bit, and that was it. I, I decided I wanted to be an actress. It's really interesting that you say that. We've had a lot of comedic actors on our show, on the talk show throughout the years, and they all say the same thing. It all goes back to school. And it all goes back to the first time they got a laugh, whether it's telling a joke in class or being on stage. And sometimes they were in dramatic plays, but they did something that the audience found funny. And they got that laugh and it was like almost like an addiction. It is. Yeah. It is. And then, because I was kind of a nerd in high school, I was quiet. I was a good student, but there was nothing. Even I didn't know I could do what I did. I had no idea. It it just kind of happened when I was 18. Did your grandma know? Like, did she think, well, you've always been funny or you've, like, did you make? No. No. No, no. And so then I was on campus and after I did this scene, some kids uh, older than my, I was a freshman, some seniors came up and asked me to be in some one acts that they had written and I did that. And then uh, another one said, can you carry a tune? And I said, yeah, because my mother and grandmother and I used to sing in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mama would play the ukulele. And, but I never belted or anything. But, and, but, uh, so I got into the musical comedy workshop and realized that, uh, yeah, I kind of liked to sing. So that happened as an accident. Like, guess what? Thank God UCLA didn't have a journalism major program. <laughs> I know. I, I wouldn't be talking to you today. <laughs> I mean, I'm so, we're all so grateful. What's the second time a stranger gave you money? I was doing the, the, the musical comedy workshop, uh-huh. and there were nine of us in the class. And the professor, we, we were going to do um, our finals. Uh, we would do scenes from musical comedies. And he and his wife were uh, going to be at a party in San Diego uh, this one Saturday night. And he said, I tell you what, you kids come down and you'll be the entertainment at the party. And uh, I'll grade you then instead of just doing the scenes for him in school. Uh-huh. So, wow. You know, so we all went down. It was a black tie affair. Very nice. And I did a scene from Annie Get Your Gun. And then I went over to the, when I was finished, I went to the hors d'oeuvre table and I'm, I have a napkin out and I'm putting hors d'oeuvres in my napkin to put in my purse to take home to my grandmother. <laughs> and, and there's a tap on my shoulder and I turned around, I thought, oh my God, I'm busted, you know. Right. And, uh, and this man and his wife were there and he said, I liked what you did. What do you want to do with your life? And I said, well, someday I, I would love to go to New York and be in musical comedy. And he said, well, why aren't you there now? And I said, well, <laughs> uh, I'm hoping to save up, you know, that someday I can go. And he said, I'll lend you the money. Oh. And I thought, uh-oh, the champagne's talking, you know. Right. And his wife said, no, he means it. He means it. And he said, here's my card. Be down in my office a week from Monday. And I, I wow, okay. So a week from that Monday, I went down there. To his office. He had this huge office. He was a businessman. And um, it was like nine o'clock in the morning. And I went into his office and he said, Okay, um, I'm going to lend you $1,000. Now, 
when I say we couldn't afford forty three dollars, you know, for right. the tuition, I it, it would be like getting a hundred thousand dollars today. I mean, that's how. You know. Yeah. And he said the stipulations are: you must never reveal my name. You pay it back in five years, no interest if you're successful. You must use the money to go to New York, and if you are successful, you must help other people out oh. that you believe in. And uh, that was it. And so that was my ticket to New York. And I remember I went home and showed my grandmother all this money, and she was she almost fainted. You yeah. know, and so oh, look what we can do with all of this. And I said, Nanny. I have to use it to go to New York. And uh, she was not thrilled with that. Right. You know, but uh, <laughs> yeah. but uh, that's how I got to New York. And were you able to pay him back? I was. That was 1954, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. By 1959, I was already in Once Upon a Mattress, and I was doing the Gary Moore show. Wow. So I, I waited because right. I could have paid him back a little bit earlier, but I wanted to make it exactly five years to the day. You know what? And I, I like the way you wait till the last day of the contract. <laughs> I think it's, a, you know, I think it's a really strong plan. I really do. You're making <laughs> well, me I... rethink my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. And, you, and you've never revealed his name still? No, no. I did write him a couple of times when I was going to be on the Ed Sullivan show or Another show or something, never heard from him, nothing. Mm. But it's interesting, when I was doing my variety show, it was about the third year, I got a call in the office from his wife. And she said, we were so happy for your success. Would you and your husband like to come down to San Diego to the marina there and have lunch with us one day? And Yes, of course. So we drove down. We had lunch. She was very sweet and quiet, kind of. She she was kind of a chatty Cathy and lovely. Mm-hmm. And on the way back to our cars, I was walking with her, and she said, you know, for some reason, if ever your name might have come up in a conversation or if somebody had seen something that you'd done on television and talked about it to us, he never, ever said a word. Wow. About it's, what he had done for me. Well, first of all, they don't make them like you two anymore because I would have uh, well, spilled. I would have been like, you know, and do you know who gave me that money? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Well, he evidently, what she said that he got, somebody staked him to a claim when he was young mm. and gave him a break. And I wasn't the only one. She said that she helped some young man start a restaurant. Mm. It wasn't just show business. So he was a silent, a silent do-gooder. He didn't need to. Exactly. He didn't need the PR. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that's how that happened. It's rare. It's really rare. National Outlet Shopping Day is back. Join us June 8th and 9th at Simon Premium Outlets nationwide. Score thousands of can't-miss deals from brands you love all weekend long. They've got up to 65% off every day, and the National Outlet Shopping Day deals are even better. Visit premiumoutlets.com slash NOSD to find a premium outlet near you. That's premiumoutlets.com slash NOSD. So tell me about your, you've got this uh, lifelong friendship with 
I, I'm going to call her Dame Julie Andrews. You probably <laughs> just call her Julie. Um, chum. She's my chum. She's your chum. How did you two become friends? Well, she was a guest on uh, the Gary Moore show, but first there was a an agent and a manager that uh, I knew who knew Julie, and he also knew the executive producer of uh, the Gary Moore show, and they said, I you know, you, you two girls have to meet. And, you know, that's the first sign of, oh, gosh, no. I mean, come on. <laughs> but um, she was doing Camelot, and I was I was doubling. I was doing Once Upon a Mattress Off-Broadway, which was an off-Broadway musical. Mm-hmm. And I was doing a weekly Gary Moore show. But so she came with her manager uh, to see me on a matinee of uh, Once Upon a Mattress. And we went to a Chinese restaurant afterwards and those poor men didn't stand a chance julie and i never stopped talking yeah <laughs> we just it, it was like we've known each other forever and uh that so that's um 1961 <laughs> we've that's known a, each other that's an enduring friendship the, yeah tell me and then there's a she was a guest on the gary moore show and we did a number together where the audience in the studio, television audience, stood up and gave us a standing ovation. Wow. I've never seen that for a taping, you know, Wow. then. And uh, so the idea was born that we should do a special together. And we did in 1962. We did uh, Julie Carroll at Carnegie Hall. And 10 years later, we did one at Lincoln Center. Then 10 years after that, we did one in Hollywood at the Pantages Theater. Oh, and wow. of course, she we did this recent taping uh, just last week for my ninetieth, and uh, Julie came out, and we were together, and she sat with me, and uh, so the ninetieth show it's going to be on my birthday, actually, uh, April twenty sixth. Yeah, at eight. P- By the way, let's tell the listeners it's going to be on uh, Wednesday, April twenty sixth. At 8 p.m. Right. on NBC, and it's also going right. to stream on Peacock. We just want to get right. want to get that out there. <laughs> Make sure the <laughs> listeners know. <laughs> but it was it, it was a thrill. But it's not a birthday party, and it's not a roast. It's a variety show. It's entertainment. We have a lot of clips, of course, but it's not just the Burnett show. It's the early days, very early days, when I was on Ed Sullivan and the Gary Moore show, also. The movies that I've made, the television specials, and of course, the variety show, and then the latest things that I did was Better Call Saul, and another mm-hmm. one called Palm Royale with Kristen Wiig and mm-hmm. Laura Dern and Allison Janney, and we have live entertainment. We have Katy Perry coming out oh, singing. Wow. We have Bernadette Peters, Kristen Chenna with Billy Porter, Jane Lynch, Cher. It's amazing. What a lineup. Carol, do you know offhand, because I'm sure you'll win an Emmy for this special, but well, do you know... You never know. No, I, I mean, it's it's a done deal. Come on. <laughs> do you know roughly how many Emmy awards you've won over the years? Uh, well, actually, yes. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, if I say no, it sounds like I don't care. No, 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 no. Yes, I'm just, no, like... I'm just, I'm actually just asking you out of curiosity. No, 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 six, six. But our show, 
Uh, won 25. Wow. 25. Wow. Wow. That's, and do you keep them like in a special place in your office or? Well, I have an office. Uh Yeah, I have an office. And so they're on a shelf now. And I dust them every day and give them a kiss. (laughs) Yes. Good. It's good to talk to your Emmys. It's you, I mean, you've, but you've won the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Yeah. The Mark Twain Prize for American Humor. The Golden Globe. I mean, you've won everything. Why am I telling you this? You already know. <laughs> I'm just reiterating, but it's it's like to me, there needs to be more. There should be many more. Like there needs to be some Grammys, some Tonys, some Academy Awards. Every oh, award that could be given. Well, All I did awards. get a Grammy. I, oh, I yeah. did get a Grammy. Oh. Yes, for the uh, I, it was actually for the spoken word because I read one of my books. Oh. Uh, and so, I, yeah, I got, I got a Grammy. So I was thrilled about that. We should have had Carol read my book. <laughs> yes. could have won a Grammy. <laughs> we were not thinking. I, she'd was, win the Grammy for Yes, yeah, she'd win the Grammy. But still, I would be Grammy adjacent. <laughs> when you think back, is there something that you haven't done yet that you want to do? George Clooney. <laughs> Get in line, sis. <laughs> That's an I, excellent just, answer. I've I've been asked that, and I give that answer, and it always gets a, a nice laugh. <laughs> yeah, well, because guess what? It makes a lot of sense. It's all about the pause. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've uh, I, I feel very fortunate. Uh, we just, as I said, did this recent Apple TV series uh, called Palm Royale, yeah. and it's about Palm Beach society in the 70s, mm. and I have a very good role in it, and it looks like they may go, f- there were 10 episodes, and it looks like they may pick up a second season, so if Incredible. they have, I'll be working again, yeah. That reminds me. Let me just tell you a quick story. You probably, I, I don't know if you'll remember this, it was my first year at the daytime Emmys, and it, the daytime Emmys at the time were still on during the day, during the daytime, uh-huh. okay? It hadn't become like a yeah. primetime event. And Susan Lucci was nominated for like her maybe ninth or 10th Emmy. Yeah. And, uh-huh. you know, and it went on like another decade after that, waiting for Susan I to know. win the Emmy. Do you remember the speech you gave? It was basically what you said was you went on and on about every year how, you know, uh, Erica was up against Vicky, but you knew this was Erica Kane's year because Vicky in Eterna, that was a stupid storyline. You basically went through all of the other characters' storylines, right? And then you would end with how, and lo and behold, this person won, or that person won, or this person won. And then you said, and then it dawned on me, Susan, maybe you're not very good. And it was... I remember. (laughs) I remember. It was the funniest. (laughs) Oh, I remember that. Yeah. She's on the 90th. Oh, yeah. Yes. I can't. I can't wait. I really can't wait. It's. I'm really, really looking forward to it. In closing, I just, you know, I can't thank you enough on behalf of all of our families, on behalf of young me, you've had so much more influence on me in my life than you could possibly ever know. And, oh, and to, honey, watch, wow. to watch you have an influence on my daughter who's 21, who listens really to no one, 
But she watches those videos of you interacting with people and I believe it has had a profound impact on her. Learning how to treat people when you are at your busiest, at your most glamorous, at your work day. I just can't thank you enough for everything you've given us. And we celebrate your 90th birthday with you. And don't forget to tune into Carol Burnett, 90 Years of Laughter and Love. It's a two-hour special, which airs, of course, on your birthday Wednesday night, April 26th at 8 p.m. And we'll stream the next day on Peacock. And we really, really appreciate you giving us the time, Carol. Thank you, sweetheart. And I send you, uh, give Mark my best, and of course, give Lola a big hug. I sure will. All my love. Carol Burnett, ladies and gentlemen. Bye, sweetheart. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Love you. Bye-bye. I love you. Thanks. Thank you. I don't think that I will ever recover from talking to Carol Burnett, whom I've met many times, by the way. And it doesn't ever get old, and I feel like I blather on to her about how much she means to me. But then I watch everybody else blather on to her about how much she means to them. And I've got to tell you, it's got to be exhausting (laughs) to manage all of everybody's hopes and dreams all the time. But But didn't you picture her like, you know, that chaise lounge that you have that laid on the chaise with the corded phone? (laughs) I do, yes. talking to you like in heaven with one of her best friends. Yeah, like maybe she's got a pencil in her hand because she's just like (laughs) written out a to-do list. Uh, Or like maybe she's written me into Palm Royale. (laughs) Oh my God. Call Brian Lord at CAA and get Kelly on Palm Royale for season two. I think you need to call your agents and get the kind of contract she had going on. Oh, please. I mean, mean, like I said, when I get two-ply toilet tissue, then we can talk about my my power. Oh, I don't think it gets any better. It doesn't get any better. So that's... Sorry for all the people that are coming on next. So that's our final episode of Let's Talk (laughs) Off Camera. Don't forget, we're a new show in a sea of podcasts, but we're the one that has Carol Burnett as a guest. Okay. Let's Talk Off Camera is available every week on all major podcasts, listening platforms. Can't wait to talk off camera with y'all next week. Bye-bye. Let's Talk Off Camera with Kelly Ripa is a co-production of Melojo Productions and PRX Productions with help from Goat Rodeo. Our theme song is Follow Me from APM Music. From Melojo, our team is Kelly Ripa, Mark Consuelos, Albert Bianchini, Jan Chalet, Devin Schneider, Michael Halpern, Jacob Small, Roz Therian, Seth Gronquist, and Nick Ribola. From PRX Productions, our team is Kara Schillen, Genevieve Sponsler, Megan Nadolski, Edwin Ochoa, Rebecca Seidel. Additional sound design by Terrence Bernardo. The executive producer of PRX Productions is Jocelyn Gonzalez. This show is powered by Stitcher. From PRX. National Outlet Shopping Day is back. Join us June 8th and 9th at Simon Premium Outlets nationwide. Score thousands of can't-miss deals from brands you love all weekend long. They've got up to 65% off every day, and the National Outlet Shopping Day deals are even better. Visit premiumoutlets.com slash NOSD to find a premium outlet near you. That's premiumoutlets.com slash NOSD. 
I'm Rachel Martin. After hosting Morning Edition for years, I know that the news can wear you down. So we made a new podcast called Wild Card, where a special deck of cards and a whole bunch of fascinating guests help us sort out what makes life meaningful. It's part game show, part existential deep dive, and it is seriously fun. Join me on Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts. Only from NPR.